0: This special episode of Other People's Pockets was produced with support from the Everyday Wealth Podcast.
1: Financial planning is not a product. It's a process, right? It's the process of like, mm-hmm. what do I need? What am I saving for? What are the right investments for me to make all of this happen and reach my goals? We're talking about 40 or 50 or 60 years and not, there's not one product that is going to be right for you throughout that entire period of time.
0: Today on Other People's Pockets, you're gonna hear what it's like to receive financial planning advice. And the person receiving the advice is me. You may have already heard about my personal finances on this show, and if you haven't, and you're morbidly curious about how much money I make, go back and listen to episode 10 of Other People's Pockets. But planning for your financial future and the financial future of your family is a whole different ballgame, one that should be done with a professional. So today you'll hear me get some advice from Isabel Barrow, director of financial planning at Edelman Financial Engines and frequent guest on the podcast Everyday Wealth, along with Gene Chatsky, financial journalist and best-selling New York Times author, who is also the host of Everyday Wealth. They cover the kind of personal finance topics you're interested in and I'm interested in. I'm Maya Lau, and this is Other People's Pockets, the show where I ask people how much money they make and how their finances work, so the questions we all have about money can be a little bit less of a mystery. Awesome. Well, hi, guys. I'm Maya. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you also. Nice to meet you, too. We thought it would be fun since on Other People's Pockets, we are always talking to other people about exactly how much money they make, how they made it, how they feel about their money. If this session could be a sort of pseudo wealth planning or financial planning session for me, and that way listeners can kind of hear what what is financial planning? What are some of the questions that get asked? Who is it for? Jean, can you introduce yourself and tell us more about what you do?
2: Sure. So, I am a longtime financial journalist. I spent 25 years on the Today Show talking about money. These days, I run a company called Her Money Media. And I'm the host of the Everyday Wealth podcast, which is presented by Edelman Financial Engines.
0: Great. Isabel, tell me more about yourself. Yeah. Well, I am a director of
1: financial planning here at Edelman Financial Engines. I have been in this industry doing financial planning for somewhere in the ballpark of 22 or so years, so um, my lifelong career.
0: So for people who have never heard of Edelman Financial Engines, what exactly does Edelman Financial Engines do?
1: Edelman Financial Engines acts in, I guess, two primary capacities, one of which is wealth planning for individuals and another of which is providing 401k services to institutions and large companies
0: a lot of people have maybe heard the term wealth planning or financial planning are they the same and is this only for is wealth planning only for wealthy people
1: in general the terminology the language might be different financial planning wealth planning But it's probably all falling into the same category of broad financial planning. And I think the way that I typically describe financial planning is uh, the where are you now, where are you going, and how are you going to get there? And all of the things that are involved in that. That means looking at your uh, retirement, looking at your investment strategy, looking at your insurance, looking at college planning, looking at your debt.
0: And if somebody is trying to find a financial planner, hopefully an affordable one or at least one that that feels worth their money, what should they be looking for? Is there terminology they should be looking for? And what is a red flag?
1: I think the first step is to uh, look for a fiduciary they're looking at putting your interests ahead of anyone else's from a legal standpoint. You want someone that is looking out for your interests, not their own, they're not commission-based, okay? That's, I think that's number one. And number two is talking with someone who can handle all of the different types of things that you need help with. So making sure you understand the scope and the scale
2: of all the different
1: things that they do and that they can help with.
2: I think it's important to understand, as Isabel said, is, is this a holistic planner? Is this somebody who is going to touch all those different points of your life and help you bring it together? Or is this just somebody who is going to manage your investments? And, and usually they break down into one or or the other. And it sounds like you should ask,
0: you know, any prospective financial planner, how is it that you make your money off of me? For example, are you making your money off of a flat fee? Or is it that you make money if I sign up for a product that you're recommending, which sounds like commission-based, which sounds like maybe not a good idea?
1: Right. That's kind of the the point of talking to someone who's a fiduciary, is that you want to ensure mm-hmm. that they don't have, you know, they're not incentivized by a commission or by a sales concession to sell you something that... that may be suitable to you, but it may not ultimately be in your best interest. And mm-hmm. it's not just a question of of at that point of the transaction, right? Of like, okay, now we're signed up for this and we're good to go. It's, it's having someone who you can work with on an ongoing basis that's mm-hmm. monitoring these things, that's talking with you year in, year out to update you on, hey, the rules changed and now you can put XYZ away. Or because of the SECURE Act, we have different RMD requirements investment management, financial planning is not a product. It's a process, right? It's the process of Mm -hmm. like, what do I need? What am I saving for? What are the right investments for me to make all of this happen and reach my goals? Not, you know, what products are going to best suit what we're looking at in today's environment, right? We're talking about Mm -hmm. 40 or 50 or 60 years and not, there's not one product that is going to be right for you throughout that entire period of time.
0: So you work with, theoretically, people like me, individuals who are just like, what should I do for my financial planning, for my kids, for being able to retire one day? What is it that you would want to know from me in order to plan for my financial future? It's
1: like the big, I know, it's a yeah, huge question. It's the million dollar question <laughs> is, you know, what do I do with my financial life? And I think that's really where we get started with clients. The big question is, why are you here? You know, what are you looking for help with? What do you want to do? in your life with your money.
0: Okay, so I am 38 years old. I am a podcast host. I also have my own company where I do financial investigations in the investment world. So I have kind of two completely different things that two worlds don't touch each other at all. I'm married. We have a four-year-old and we live in Mexico City Where and we've been here for about a year. I think that I'm Thinking about my daughter's college education, I'm thinking about buying a home one day. Um, But the big thing for us is that we have moved around so much and we still don't know where we're going to settle down or if we are even the type of people to settle down because it's so unfamiliar to us. So I think we're just looking to make sure we're not screwing things up. So that's some of where I'm at.
1: Well, those sound like, in general, sort of some some life goals, right? Career changes and moves, and all of that has to do with money. It sounds like what you've described are some goals around potentially becoming a homeowner, planning for your, your child's future education, planning for potentially a job change. So I think there's a lot of things that we could talk about, but I would say what I would like to do is maybe get started with the very, very big picture which is the retirement stuff. So uh, what I'd like to do is maybe hear a little bit more about your current income, your job security. And this goes for both you and your spouse. Tell me a little bit more about the the numbers here.
0: So I will probably bring in around $200,000 this year myself. And then my husband, maybe $150,000. And sorry, was there another question? Yeah, I asked
1: like 15 questions, (laughs) which I typically don't do. But you know, this is a little bit different. This is like the, the 20 minute answer when normally we're going with like a two hour consultation. Right. So what about your thinking about the future? You know, how long do you anticipate continuing to work? And how long do you think your husband is going to want to continue to work? I'm just trying to get kind of a general idea of what you expect in the future.
0: I think that both of us have an idea to retire essentially at 65, but it would be great if we could retire a little earlier and have more flexibility and not feel like we're like grinding every day till 65. My husband is 11 years older than me, so he his timeline's a little different. I <laughs> I don't really know what my job stability is. I think as a as a solopreneur you're kind of going along As you go, Um, you know, I can create six-month contract or one-year contracts with my client, like my financial uh, investigation client. Um, So far, it's been okay to leave it a little bit open because they seem to need my services on an ongoing basis, and I also don't feel the need to set anything in stone so I'm tying my fate to myself and my reputation and my
2: background I, and, I yeah. can relate to everything that you're <laughs> saying Maya because because I've been doing exactly sort of what you've been doing for a really really long mm-hmm. time I had my last corporate job maybe 15 years ago and a series of gigs from then on, and I think you're right. I think that having multiple streams of income and being a creative person can be a form of security. You know, you're depending on on you. But my question is, of the 350000 that you guys are bringing in, how much are you saving and how much are you socking away in, you know, real retirement accounts? Okay, good question. We each
0: put away 10% of our gross income to retirement. And then what we try to do is to live off of my husband's income in terms of our day-to-day expenses and monthly just living life expenses, and then all of my income into savings. So in terms of what we have saved from December 2022 to September 2023, in cash, it's 70000 We have been actually putting it into CDs, certificates Mm -hmm. of deposit, just because we keep having this idea that maybe we'll want to buy something and then we'll want to have the cash. Um, So, yeah.
1: Okay. So uh, tell me more about that last piece. Like maybe we'll want to buy something. When you say that, what, I mean, I know you mentioned a house earlier. So Mm -hmm. what are the next, what are the short-term goals that you have? What are the things that you may need the cash for?
0: That's kind of the problem with us is that we don't have – it's very hard for us to say, okay, our goal is to buy a house in X number of years that's going to be at this price, and so we need to save this much money. Because right now we're in Mexico City. We really like it. We are not sure how long we're going to live here. I don't think we have. I think that's maybe part of the problem is we don't have a, a specific goal.
1: Yeah. And I think the challenges with any type of a home purchase, right? Is that in order to make it worth it, it really does have to be a long-term commitment. You know, you have to you mm-hmm. you basically have to stay there five, six, seven, eight plus years mm-hmm. in order to make it worth it, paying all those costs and taxes and realtors and everything mm-hmm. else. Um, it's expensive. So mm-hmm. I would say You know, until you have some degree of confidence that you're going to be somewhere for five-plus years, it may not be worth sinking your money into a piece of property.
2: Are you worried about the current volatility of the market, inflation rates, talk of a recession? Are you second-guessing your investment decisions? What better time than now to ensure your finances are moving forward than by getting an expert second opinion from an Edelman Financial Engines planner. Whether you already have a planner or simply need a new perspective, they can help you manage your wealth plan to both weather the volatility of the market today and help you protect and preserve it over the long term. To schedule your complimentary wealth checkup today, call 833-PLAN-EFE. That's 833 752 6333 or visit their website at efewealthplanners.com put your uncertainties to rest once and for all schedule your complimentary wealth checkup right now
0: also i've thought about buying a house traditionally you go after a 30 year mortgage Well, what does that 30 years look like when you're already Almost 50. Like, does that mean it's a bad idea, or does that mean you would get the 30 year mortgage and then figure out a way to pay it off quicker? I think about those things.
1: Why do you need to have a mortgage paid off just because you're retired?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it's because income goes down during retirement, and often expenses don't necessarily go down. I've heard that. A lot of retired people now they have time to go to lunch with their friends all the time and to go travel finally and some sometimes their expenses go up, and I know that we are the type of people that would want to do that. So I think I'm as scared of having a, a hefty mortgage payment, you know, well into retirement.
1: Well, so the interesting thing is if you bought that house now, right, and you don't retire, I don't know. Let's let's call it twenty plus years for you, right. Your mortgage payment, if you get into a fixed 30-year mortgage, for example, now or soon, that mortgage payment doesn't go up over the next 30 years. That is a fixed payment. So what seems like a hefty mortgage payment now may not seem so hefty. It may be the same as your, you know, your cable bill or your car payment in 30 years. So I would say that's one thing, is that a mortgage Oh,
0: you mean because it'll a, just seem it's so a fixed, regular? Well,
1: it's a no, because it won't seem anywhere near as expensive because of inflation. Because of inflation, right. you know, your mortgage is fixed. So if you have a thousand dollar a month mortgage now, it's still a thousand dollars a month in year 29, you know, and now you've been retired for a couple of years and that's a thousand dollars a month, but everything else has inflated and gone up. And the mortgage is one of those things that you have that doesn't inflate. Mm-hmm. Typically, mortgage rates are pretty good, right? So it's a pretty good way to leverage your money if you have a four or five percent mortgage and you know you're getting a potentially a mortgage interest deduction for that i know we need to talk about your taxes and where you're paying taxes and and how that's all working as well but potentially you know you're getting a mortgage interest deduction as well so it's reducing the total cost of that mortgage because you're saving some in taxes as well so my theory on this is and ours at edelman financial engine is there's really not a lot of rationale to pay off a mortgage early Um, just because you're retired. The bottom line is you just need to plan to be able to pay for that. So you really have to start Mm -hmm. thinking about what are my expenses now and what are my expenses in retirement. And you're right, Maya, they are probably not going down, right? Most people don't retire and then say, you know what I really want to do is like not travel and not spend (laughs) money on gifts. And right, that's the opposite of what I typically hear. So You know, as long as you're planning to be able to cover that expense, I think that you should expect that a mortgage is probably going to be an expense into retirement.
2: Can I ask you, Maya, is your money in your retirement accounts invested in the markets? Yes.
0: Yes. Our money in our retirement accounts is invested in the stock market. They are in target date funds, which you can say, I want to retire in the year 2050. And then the financial institution makes whatever portfolio allocations over the years so that you maximize your returns essentially by the time you retire. So it's more aggressive now and then it'll get more conservative by the time we retire. And so that is in the stock market. And that I can give you the number as well of how much each of us have in our retirement. Yeah, let's stay,
1: let's stay on that. While we're on the topic of that, let's, okay. let's stay on that and let's talk about, because I think you said you're each putting 10% away. So you're putting $20,000 away. He's putting $15,000 away per year. So you're not reaching your maximums, but where are you putting mm-hmm. yours, Maya? I know you're putting it in a target date fund, but specifically what type of an account is that money going into?
0: It's a solo 401k. Okay.
1: And your husband is in a traditional four hundred one k.
0: Yes. Okay.
1: And what do you have saved in those accounts thus far?
0: I have about a hundred thousand, and he has about two hundred thousand. Okay. Right. Does he get matched? Yes. Yeah, so his employer will match his contributions, and I'm I'm forgetting what percentage it is at.
1: Okay. So you have three hundred thousand right now. Combined in retirement savings. Anything else? Any other investments? Any other IRAs? Any old employer four hundred one ks or anything else that needs to be included in this in this big picture?
0: Uh, we have twenty thousand in a mutual fund that's separate from our retirement.
1: Okay, mm-hmm. in a mutual fund, separate from retirement, just in an investment account. Okay. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And for your husband, we're talking about. So you said he's eleven years older. So I'm. He is forty nine. You're Mm -hmm. 38, and we've got Mm -hmm. a target window to retirement of probably 15 years for him or so, right? 15, 16 years, Mm -hmm. and a little bit longer for you. Okay.
2: Mm -hmm. Isabel's running the magic. She's making the magic happen. This is what she does all day. These sorts of scenarios that actually help people figure out, is my next dollar going to the right place? And am I on track to meet the kind of goals that, that we have? Okay,
0: so I'm curious to hear if you calculated anything magical that you can tell us. Well,
1: I, I I I don't have all of the magic yet because I wanna there's a couple more things I wanna talk through here, but I do have some sure, numbers yeah. of what I projected based on what you're saving right now and what that will be worth when you go to retire. But let's just talk about the expenses right now and let's talk about the taxes. So you said that you are trying to live on your husband's hundred and fifty thousand dollars. A year. How much is that on an after-tax basis? How much are you guys bringing home that you're actually spending on a monthly basis?
0: So after taxes and after his retirement gets comes out, it's about eight thousand dollars a month. Okay. It might be slightly more. It might be eight thousand five hundred. Yeah, that's what we pay our rent out of, our kids' school, all that. And usually, we are able to stay in there. The only times we go over is when we travel.
1: Okay, so you're living off of Jesse's roughly $8,500 a month, and you're saving, you said $70,000 you saved over the last, let's say, 10 months, right? Nine Mm -hmm. or 10 months, so roughly $7,000 a month that you're saving into these CDs. Mm -hmm. Are you also then dipping into that to spend on the travel and the extra expenses, etc.?
0: Well, we also have an emergency savings Account That's $45,000. So sometimes what will happen is if I get a paycheck, it's like, okay, I'm going to put some in savings. I'm going to take some straight out of that paycheck and pay our credit card. So no, it's not coming out of the 70000 okay. but it's coming out of either our emergency savings or like new money that I get coming. Okay,
1: gotcha. I'm going to use a 20-year number just to kind of simplify things Mm -hmm. here. And I'm going to tell you that at 4% interest, your current expenses, so the $8,500 a month that you're spending right now, is going to be about $20,000 a month. I'm I'm rounding a bit, Mm -hmm. but so you need Mm -hmm. to have in retirement about, let's call it $240,000 a year after taxes, okay? Mm So step one here, if you're planning for retirement, is... You're not putting enough away for getting to that twenty thousand dollar a month number, right? So with three hundred thousand dollars starting right now, so if you grow it at seven percent, that money is going to double every ten years. Your three hundred beco- in ten years at three hundred becomes six hundred. The six hundred becomes one point two million, um, but one point two million isn't going to get you all that far if you're spending two hundred and forty thousand dollars a year, right? So at, again, using our four percent inflation rate assumption you need about, you know, you need $240,000 a year. So you're going to need substantially more than that in your pot. So the first place to think about is increasing your contributions. Now, given that you have a solo 401k, you can actually make an employee contribution. And as an employer, you can make a contribution that is, a, well, it's supposed to be 25% of your income, but it, you know when you take everything and you you figure it all out, your accountant's going to say, well, it really is going to work out to, to more like 20%. But still, it's a pretty substantial contrib- increase in your contribution that you'd be making to that solo. And I would say, rather than, than socking all this money away into a short-term goal that you don't really have a goal for, right? You've just said, we just want to have this pot of money, but we don't really know what we're going to use it for. Until you know what you're going to use it for, I would say, let's put some of the money and get some tax breaks into your solo 401k. And likewise, your husband can increase his contributions to his 401k up to 22500 for this year. And I think next year he'll be turning 50. If it's not next year or the year after, you may get a catch-up mm-hmm. contribution there of another 7500 That's in 2023 numbers, by the way. We're using this year's mm-hmm. contribution limits. So I would say before you start pouring all of this money into these CDs, as you're doing right now, let's increase your your retirement contributions. And that's going to have the compounded effect of saving more for retirement, getting you closer to that retirement need. But it's also going to give you some substantial tax breaks right now. And I think even after doing that, you're going to have some money um, left over for continuing to add to your savings for this, you know, kind of general wealth building pot.
0: Okay, and do you have a a general percentage that people should be saving for their retirement?
1: It, you should be putting at least 10% away, right? So that's your kind of bare bones minimum is put away 10%. But the reality is, is put as much away as you can afford because you're going to need it you know, we talk about Social Security a lot and the viability of Social Security long-term. And, you know, while we plan for people to continue, you know, the expectation is that we will receive Social Security in some way, shape, or form, you can't rely on that to be your primary source of income, right? Especially if you need $240,000 a year to to live, not including taxes, you're going to need a lot more than just social security. So as much as you can save up to the limit, that is our general goal. But minimum should be 10%. Okay.
2: So Maya, let me ask you, how's this conversation feeling?
0: Yeah, how is this feeling? It's feeling like, I feel like we we continually need to do these updates, like not even just once a year, but every six months or something, or even more often. Now it's been almost a year since we've been here in Mexico City and we've saved this cash. And I kind of thought maybe by now we would know what we're going to do with it and we still don't. So, yeah, I think I'm feeling kind of a sense of like, oh, gosh, I still don't really know what we're doing.
2: (laughs) I think that's right. I mean, I've, I've been working with Isabel now on our show, Everyday Wealth, for a couple of years. And I've heard her describe the process like therapy. It's it's figuring out what do I want? Because if you're thinking that your money is a limited resource and you got to use it to do something, you should use it to do something that is meaningful to you. And those things change all the time, right? Yeah. They change with kids. They change as we age. They change as we move. At least you're sorting through some of these issues with another person that maybe you wouldn't necessarily take the time to address just with your spouse or by yourself because it's, it's it's a little scary sometimes
0: yeah having another set of eyes on things is so important <laughs> one thing that I'm thinking about is that these amounts that I've given you I think are so are pretty large when you think about most Americans. I mean, my husband and I bringing in 350K a year is not bad, right? And we have, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars already in retirement and we have cash savings. Like, in the scheme of things, we are doing great. And then it's crazy to also hear, you might not have enough money in retirement, you know? It's like, it f- just feels like life is so effing expensive. This is insane. Our, our salaries are great. And yet it's like, well, but, you know, it might not be enough, which just makes me feel like, oh, God,
2: you know, do you know what I mean? Well, your salaries are great and you're saving a lot, right? So, yeah. so it's, I think, I, what I hear Isabel saying is she just wants you to move the money around a little bit. Yeah. Um, reallocate yeah. the assets. It's not like you're doing something wrong, but you may be putting it in, in the wrong place. The wrong yeah, place. that's exactly right. I mean,
1: you're saving almost half of your money. You're saving, you know, you're, you're saving. You're just saving it into an account where you're earning a couple percent and you're not getting any tax benefit yeah. for it. So my point is, yeah, yeah shift the money into something where you're going to be growing it for the long term and you're getting a tax break by doing so. And, you know, yes, life is expensive. It's only going to get more and more expensive. So the reality is, is you do have to think about the fact that inflation is going to erode your purchasing power. So, you know, the dollar now is not going to feel like a dollar when
0: you're retired. Mm-hmm. And Isabel, would you keep that, the money that we have in certificates of deposit, keep it there? And just as sort of that cash to feel like if we see an opportunity, we have it? Or would you would move it out and put it into retirement?
1: So I think once you have about six months to 12 months of your living expenses in an emergency Mm -hmm. fund, so for you, it's about $100,000 is a year's worth of your living expenses. Once you're at that point, which it sounds like you are, between your emergency fund and the money you have in the CDs, you're at a little over $100,000. What I would say is to, number one, start shifting more of this monthly savings into your your solo 401k and have him increase his 401k contributions and get both to the maximum that, you know, your CPA says you're eligible for in that solo 401k, both as an employee and as an employer. Then for that extra money that you have coming in monthly, you are with what you have right now, you need to save more than you are in order to have the same amount of income that you have today, right? Even including social security. So let's take some of that money and let's save it toward retirement, but because it's not going into a... "Quote unquote retirement account, that money stays somewhat flexible, right? Because you're putting as much away as you're allowed into these retirement accounts, accounts that you can't draw from until you're 59 and a half without some penalty. So, with this other money that right now you're pouring into CDs, let's put mm-hmm. that into an investment account that we're we're going to call okay. that like retirement pot number a two. A investment account, but it's not yeah, okay. it's not a technical IRA or 401k or solo 401k, right. just an investment mm-hmm. pot similar to the 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 right. um." mutual fund that you said you have $22,000 mm-hmm. in. So let's just kind of add to that pot, but let's make right. it really, really diversified, okay?
0: hmm And another question I think a lot of people face, clearly I do, but I'm thinking also people that are maybe in their 20s and they don't know if they're going to get married. They don't know if they're going to have kids. There's so much uncertain about life. I mean, there's uncertainty at every stage in life. So... How do you prioritize, how do you sort through with someone, okay, there's so much uncertain, the world is wide open to you, but yet, how do we start to financial plan for your life?
1: Baby steps. Start with start with just doing the basics, retirement plan at work if you have one, or IRA if you don't have a retirement plan at work. Then think about looking at your debt, right? Look at your student loans. Look at your credit cards, right? Look at any debts that you have, and let's try to focus on tackling those to the extent that we can. Number three would be to build up some cash reserve, right? To get to that, we talked about the the six months to 12 months of cash reserve. That's number three on the list. And the number four is this wealth building, right, this pot of money that's for all of the other things in life that happen, right? The buying of the house, the sending kids to college, the moves, the retire early, the being out of out of work for a while, you know. So it's 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 focusing on what you know and what you can control now, but having the ability to pivot, having the ability to change and adjust, that's what financial planning is all about. It's like being on this long road, right? And you're going to be on that road for the next 50 years of your life, and you're driving in the car, but now all of a sudden your GPS says, hey, there's traffic on this way. we got to take another route, right? So sometimes you have to slow down to take another road, and that's, you know, financial planning. There's always going to be something that happens.
2: And I think for a lot of people in their 20s, you hear this idea, I need a financial advisor, when really what you sometimes need is some financial advice. What Isabel just gave you in that last soundbite of the, the the hierarchy of things, do this in this order in your 20s, that's really great financial advice. And if you can do those things when you're in your 20s, when you get into a, to a point in your life where you're ready to make a more structured plan and start to hit for those particular goals, you'll be ready for more of a comprehensive financial advisor relationship but it doesn't mean that you should wait and a lot of workplaces these days offer really great free financial advice through the 401k plan i mean it's one of the things that edelman financial engines does they're the first robo advisor and they're in a lot of 401k relationships so there are ways to learn about the right things to do when you're when you're still taking those baby steps.
0: Jean Chatsky and Isabel Barrow, thank you so much for talking to me about what you guys discuss on the podcast Everyday Wealth all the time, personal finance topics that people care about. This has been fun. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Maya. Thanks, Maya. Thanks for listening to Other People's Pockets. If you like this show, please tell a friend and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Word of mouth and reviews really help us out. Other People's Pockets is written and hosted by me, Maya Lau. It's produced by me along with Joy Sanford and Dan Gallucci. Production help from Angela Vang. Thanks to this episode's sponsor, the Everyday Wealth Podcast. Our executive producers are me along with Jane Marie and Dan Gallucci. A special thanks to fee-only financial planners. Other People's Pockets is a co-production of Pushkin Industries and Little Everywhere. To find more Pushkin podcasts, listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love this show, consider subscribing to Pushkin Plus, offering bonus content and ad-free listening across our network for $6.99 a month. Look for the Pushkin Plus channel on Apple Podcasts or at pushkin.fm. You can sign up for Pushkin Newsletters at pushkin.fm. Find me on Twitter at Maya Lau or on Instagram and TikTok at itsmayamoney. Send us your feedback and ideas by leaving us a voicemail at 323-540-4255 or email us at otherpeoplespockets at gmail.com.